For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Monday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Signs, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I will preview Monday night's matchup between the Giants and 49ers. Plus, I'll do my weekly segment of High Flyer, Top Denier, and Under Fire. The Giants only have one win and will look to add another when they take on the 49ers fresh off their bye week. One of the lone bright spots for the Giants has been rookie running back Saquon Barkley as he's eclipsed 100 total yards in 7 of the team's 8 games. Barkley said he still has a lot of room for growth and looks to improve in the second half of the season. Um, you know, just continue to get better every single day. Um, you know, got at what second half eight games to continue to improve. Uh, like I said, you never know what happened. Come on, continue to compete, uh, work my butt off, and like I said, just continue to be better overall. The 49ers will start Nick Mullins for a second consecutive week when the Giants come to town for a primetime matchup. Although the 49ers are 2-7 entering tonight's contest, rookie offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey believes they have all the pieces to contend in the future and hopes to finish the season strong. I think we can just build on how hard we play and how well we execute. And I think that, you know, eventually the sky is going to be the limit for this team. And uh, we got the guys in place and, and we just need a couple more pieces and it's going to happen. And, and you know, you, you're, you're always playing football to get better at it, and that's why we play the game every day is to be the best at what we do. And that's all that we're focused on. And, and over these next, I think we have well, we have eight left, that's what we're going to try and do. And if we can win all eight, that'd be a hell of a deal. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast.
It is Monday, November 12th here on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs with you for another week of football talk. Get to break down some games, recap some of the top storylines. And for today, I will be previewing tonight's matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Giants. But before I can get to that portion of the show, I must give my high flyer, top denier, and under fire for week number 10. Now, of course, I choose these players and coaches based off week 10's performances, so that can even go back to last Thursday night's game as well as Sunday's action. So let's go ahead and get rolling. Let's go in the NFC High flyer for me is Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. The Lions, they try to make things a little interesting at the end, but the Bears still prevailed at Soldier Field in a 34-22 drubbing of their NFC North rival. Now, this win was significant for Trubisky because it was his first NFC North Division win of his career since taking over as a starting quarterback. And he played a huge role in that triumph, throwing for 355 yards and three touchdowns. He completed 23 of 30 pass attempts. So talk about being efficient, going up against the line secondary that yes, they were without Darius Slay, their number one corner, but still, this is an evolving quarterback that continues to make strides under first-year head coach Matt Nagy, who's an offensive mind, who's a specific target of Ryan Pace to bring on staff to help Mitchell Trubisky develop into a prolific passer. And boy, the formula is working already. Trubisky looks confident. Not only that, but he also has good pocket awareness to move in and outside of the pocket, make throws on the run, putting the ball in positions to where only his receivers can get it. This guy is starting to prove a lot of doubters wrong after many people wanted to label him as a bust quote-unquote, because he just was not accurate. He looked rattled in the pocket. But Mitchell Trubisky has this Bears offense playing at a high level. To go along with that dominant defense, this Bears team that's now 6-3, and three, better watch out for them because if they do end up atop the NFC North, they would not be a fun team to play in the playoffs. So Mitchell Trubisky... You had yourself a day. You were outstanding through the air. And for that reason, you are the NFC High Flyer of the Week. Now let's go to move to the NFC Top Denier. Give me Leighton Vander Esch, the 19th overall pick of the 2018 NFL Draft. The Dallas Cowboys selected him out of Boise State. This was a raw prospect that only played a handful of years in full 11 on 11 football. People questioned this move because they said they needed a wide receiver, but at 19, Dallas goes for a linebacker, an unproven linebacker from a smaller school, Boise State. 
but boy, he's gotten a chance to start in Sean Lee's absence, and he had himself a night on Sunday night in primetime on the road in Philadelphia against the defending Super Bowl champs. He made several game-changing plays to help the Cowboys get a pivotal 27-20 victory to keep their playoff hopes alive. He finished with 13 total tackles. All of those were solo. One interception, one tackle for loss, and one pass defense. This guy was all over the field. And the play that's being talked about over and over was towards the tail end of this game. It was a screen play by Philadelphia. He sheds two blockers in open space and is able to bring down Corey Clement for a loss at the line of scrimmage. That play may have saved the Cowboys' season. This guy has all the instincts, 6'4". He's athletic. He can run. He can take on blocks. And he can also defend the pass pretty well, as he did come away with a big-time interception to flip the field position for the Dallas Cowboys. So, Leighton Vanderesh, you showed out once again in Sean Lee's absence and played a huge part in this Dallas win in prime time. Now on we go to the NFC under fire, and this one is going to be multiple players and a coach. I'm going to put the Lions offense under fire. Offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive line, Matthew Stafford. What is going on? Matt Patricia in his first year. Let's not forget, folks, this is the same Lions team that beat the New England Patriots in the first month of the season. But boy, that seems like it's been a year ago considering the way the Lions have been playing. They dropped their third straight game in Chicago and are now 3-6 and six and in last place in the division. As I mentioned when talking about Mitchell Trubisky, they lost 34-22. to Now this has many different aspects as to who's to blame, but I just feel like every position group is to blame, and it starts with the top. You look at Bob Quinn, the GM, he traded Golden Tate, one of Matthew Stafford's established targets, and then you expect to replace a player like him. It just doesn't work. You got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, who are both very good receivers in their own regard. However, Golden Tate is a player of his own, so they ship him off, right, and they think they can pick up where they left off. However, that has not proven to be the case. Matthew Stafford has been under duress the last couple of weeks. He was sacked 10 times last week against Minnesota and was taken down another six times on Sunday against Chicago. 16 sacks allowed by this Lions offensive line the last two weeks. There is no excuse for that type of performance. You have a franchise quarterback. You have to keep him upright. They are just simply not getting the job done. This is a GM and Bob Quinn that really made heavy investments in solidifying this offensive line since he took over in Detroit, signed TJ Lang and Ricky Wagner to big free agent deals, 
selected Frank Ragnow in the first round of this year's NFL Draft, Taylor Decker in the first round of the 2016 NFL Draft. This is an offensive line that should be paving the way for this rushing attack, as well as keeping Stafford upright with some time to survey the field. However, that has not been the case on Sunday. Stafford was atrocious yet again, 25 of 42 for 274 yards, two touchdowns, and a pair of interceptions. Now get this stat. Stafford has put up over 40 pass attempts for the second time in the last three games with the Lions facing a large deficit. And yes, this led to his fifth straight game of 270 plus yards through the air. But a lot of these yards are coming in garbage time at the end of ball games. But it's unacceptable. Sure, Matthew Stafford deserves some of the blame. He's been way off with his accuracy. Has made some bonehead decisions down the field. So by no way am I cutting Matthew Stafford slack for the Lions' offensive struggles. But, I mean, it does make a huge difference when you have somebody in your face every time you drop back in the pocket. And you look at Jim Bob Cooter, who was retained on staff by Patricia due to Stafford's previous success with him calling the plays. But it just seems like this year he has lacked creativity and trying to bring innovative ways to help keep Stafford protected in the pocket. Of course, you, had, you saw on Johnson, the rookie running back, go off for a couple of 100-yard games earlier this season when the Lions were looking promising. But since then, this rushing attack has completely faded away, and so is this Lions offense. They've averaged 15 points during this three-game losing streak. They rank 21st in total offense. 19th in passing and 23rd in rushing so a team that had already had prolonged issues running the ball they're right in the same boat again the offensive line Matthew Stafford Jim Bob Cooter Matt Patricia Bob Quinn this hits on every single level you're in the NFC North you got the Packers who are struggling this was a year where you could have maybe pushed for a, a, a potential spot in the playoffs considering how open this NFC conference is. But yet, they find themselves three games below 500, entering week number 11 with their quarterback taking way too many hits on a week-to-week basis. So the Lions offense, you are under fire this week. Now to the AFC we go and my AFC high flyer Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts Luck threw for three touchdown passes in the first half alone against the Jacksonville Jaguars and he made history in the process as they defeated Jacksonville 29-26 for their third straight victory. Luck joined Colts legend Peyton Manning and Tom Brady of the Patriots as the only quarterbacks in NFL history to throw at least three touchdown passes in six consecutive games within a single season. How about that feat for Luck who's in a comeback campaign. He finished 21 of 29, 285 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, 
completed 72.4% of his passes against the Jaguars' number one ranked pass defense. Sure, this Jaguars defense has struggled mightily this season, but they still have all the talent. And in a game where many people thought the Jaguars coming off their bye week were maybe going to turn things around, Andrew Luck says, no way, I'm going to continue this hot streak. Frank Reich has done a phenomenal job with the players he's had, a very young roster. And how about this? The offensive line for the Colts, they have not allowed a sack on Andrew Luck the last four games of play. So that makes all the difference in the world. Luck finally has an offensive line to protect him. And boy, is he making it show as he continues his hot streak in Indianapolis. Now the AFC top denier, Wesley Woodyard of the Tennessee Titans. The 32-year-old veteran linebacker was instrumental in the Titans' dominant 34-10 victory over the New England Patriots. Woodyard tallied 10 total tackles, 7 solo, 1.5 sacks, one tackle for loss, and three quarterback hits. This guy was blitzed up the A-gap all day long. The Patriots had no answer for Woodyard, and he also came down and made that big play on Tom Brady when the Eagles once again went into their bag and pulled out a trick play where Edelman tossed it to Tom Brady on the backside. And yes, Brady was already falling down as he was approaching the first down marker, but there was Woodyard there to stop him to ensure that the Patriots were not going to move the chains. This guy may be a veteran, but he's still playing at a very high level and a little bit of a rejuvenation of his career with Dean Pease now calling the plays on defense in Tennessee. So Wesley Woodyard, you had yourself a day. You were active all day long. And for that, you are this week's AFC top denier and we'll close this out with the AFC under fire and I know one hot candidate everybody's thinking is Todd Bowles of the New York Jets he's the obvious target and with reason I mean you get blown out 41 to 10 by a third string quarterback Matt Barkley on your home turf I know Sam Darnold was not playing they had Josh McCowan but there's no excuse to get blown like that, but I'm gonna take a different route. I'm gonna go with Marvin Lewis of the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals lost 51 to 14 to the New Orleans Saints in the high-powered Saints attack, and they just looked atrocious. The Bengals have now lost three of their last four games after getting off to that hot four and one start. They're now five and four and second in the AFC North two games back of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the only win during this stretch was a 37-34 victory over Ryan Fitzpatrick and the 3-6 Bucks. Now granted this was the game that Jameis Winston started and was pulled in the second half so yes it was a victory but you get the point. This Bengals team is underachieving big time with the talent they have on both sides of the ball but the main storyline for Cincinnati and their struggles has been their poor defensive play. And that's why we saw this morning their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, was fired after Sunday's performance. The Bengals' defense became the first team 
to give up 500 plus yards of total offense in three consecutive games. Let me also add this. The 133 combined points given up in those games, the Bengals have surrendered 133 combined points. And that's why Austin is no longer there in Cincinnati. Marvin Lewis is going to take over play calling on the defensive side of the ball. And yes, I understand the Bengals are dealing with injuries. Vontez Burfick was out, Darquez Denard, Nick Vigil, and then on offense, no A.J. Green. So I, I understand those who are saying, well, it's injuries, but it's not like they have nothing to work with. I mean, the Bengals still have Pro Bowl contenders like Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, William Jackson, and a Defensive Rookie of the Year candidate in Jesse Bates to anchor that secondary. There's just simply no excuses. I understand the Saints. Nobody can stop them right now. But to give up 51 points at home coming off a of bye week when you had two weeks to prepare for this game, that is unacceptable. Mind you, this is not the first time the Bengals have gotten hammered. As you go back a couple of weeks ago, they got blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs in primetime 45-10. to and yes, same story, the Chiefs offense, they're explosive, but to get blown out in that style when your game was actually flexed to primetime because people were expecting the Bengals to come out and challenge the Kansas City Chiefs, this team just continues to underwhelm under the current regime of Marvin Lewis. It was already a controversial move for the Bengals to bring Lewis back on a two-year extension Lewis, a 60-year-old, he's 130 and 116 and 3 through 16 seasons as the Bengals head coach. And of course, he's the infamous 0-7 record in the playoffs. So Marvin Lewis, I understand that this may not be all on your shoulders, but now it is. Now you're going to assume defensive play calling. So now there's no more excuses about you not being responsible for the looks the Bengals are giving out there on the field. For that reason, you are under fire as we enter week number 11. Now I'll go ahead and move to the game prediction. Monday Night Football, the 1-7 New York Giants at the 2-7 San Francisco 49ers. It's worth mentioning that I'm sure the NFL envisioned this matchup to be way more highly anticipated because you factored in the Jimmy Garoppolo and his return the second full year as the starting quarterback and this 49ers team was expected to be in playoff contention and maybe even pushing the Los Angeles Rams for the NFC West crown but of course as we know the injury bug hit San Francisco. Garoppolo suffered a torn ACL in the first month of the season. And then they lost Jarek McKinnon before the regular season even got rolling. So, you know, the injuries have really impacted San Francisco. And as for the New York Giants, I mean, they don't have the injury factor. It's just been more of them being underwhelming, underperforming, and disappointing with all the loaded talent that they had, expectations were out the roof in the Big Apple. Saquon Barkley was selected with the second overall pick of the 2018 NFL Draft. People were drooling about what Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham and 
Evan Ingram and a revamped offensive line. They went out and signed Nate Solder. Their defense was solidified, brought on James Betcher from Arizona. Many people were initially very high on that hiring. And then Alec Ogletree, they acquired him in a trade. And so things were really trending upward for this franchise and its fan base to begin the 2018 campaign. However, it has just been an absolute flop of a season. And now the Giants, with just one win up to this point, will be looking to notch another coming out of their bye week. The last game the Giants played was a 20-13 loss to the Washington Redskins, where Eli Manning, who's been heavily criticized by all the media and many fans about when he's going to be benched and when is he going to retire, he finished that game 30-47 of for 316 yards. While he did have one touchdown pass, he also did throw two interceptions. And as for the 49ers, they're coming off a big-time victory in the Battle of the Bay last Thursday night that saw Nick Mullins in his NFL debut dazzled against the Oakland Raiders, completed 16 of 22 passes for 262 yards and three touchdowns. So there is a little bit of buzz circulating in the Bay with Mullins now under center for San Francisco. Now, the all-time series between these two teams, it's tied at 16. So, as we struggle to find significance in tonight's matchup, other than draft seeding, the winner will at least temporarily own bragging rights of the head-to-head matchup between San Francisco and New York. So, there you have it. That's what they're going to be playing for tonight. At least we can convince ourselves. Now, I want to talk about some key matchups in this game First one being Odell Beckham Jr. against Richard Sherman. Now Beckham Jr. who inked that massive contract in the offseason. He did have 8 catches for 136 yards in week 8. And he's going to be looking for his third straight game with 8 plus receptions and 130 plus receiving yards. So how about that? Beckham Jr. getting on a little bit of a roll here with Eli Manning. Now of course... Many of Beckham's targets are underneath routes or quick slant routes over the middle because Eli Manning seemingly doesn't like to throw the ball down the field. And let's just be honest, he more times than not doesn't have the time to even evaluate his targets running deeper routes beyond the 5-10 yard marker. But I can't even begin to imagine how frustrating of a season it's been for a player like Beckham and you know this is a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve and he's already had multiple outings there on the sideline where he's gone and expressed frustration and his emotion about not getting the ball when he's open but I guarantee you when he signed that long-term mega deal he did not expect to be in this situation with only one win with this Giants offense that had so much potential and excitement with what they could do with Barkley and him on the outside, Sterling Shepard in the slot. So I can just assume that he's going to want to produce and finish this second half of the season on a positive note. And as for Richard Sherman, you got to give the savvy veteran, he's 30 years old, a lot of credit for the way he's played despite people questioning if he could return to that dominant form of a defender that he once was in Seattle. He was coming off that 
torn Achilles. And when he signed that deal with the 49ers, one, people criticized him because he didn't have an agent. And a lot of people feel like San Francisco ripped them off in that deal. And two, a lot of people just do not like Sherman, you know, for his antics and the way he carries himself. But he came to San Francisco. This is another situation for a player that was hoping to be contending for at least a division title and maybe a wild card playoff spot. Unfortunately for them, that's not going to happen. And many people ask, well, you say Sherman is playing well, but you look at his stats and there's really nothing that stands out. I mean, 18 tackles, three pass defenses, one sack, one fumble recovery. Well, that's because teams are simply not throwing his way. According to Pro Football Focus, opposing quarterbacks have thrown at him under 20 times this season. So this guy is locking down one half of the field and he's doing it without anybody really recognizing it or giving him the credit because these guys are not targeting him because he has his opposing wideout locked down. Whether it's a deep route, it's a short route, Sherman has been able to excel in a variety of ways, which I think is impressive for a guy that's coming off such a brutal injury that could have been career-ending. You just never know how these recovery processes go through, but Sherman, he stuck to the process. He reiterated his commitment to return to the field, and he's done just that, and so I'm sure he's going to see plenty of Odell Beckham Jr., What makes Beckham such a challenging opponent to go up against is his explosiveness and his quick first step and his ability to create separation at the line of scrimmage. You see him, you know, he'll leave these corners stuck in the mud. And next thing you know, he's running down the field for a 50, 60 yard gain because all it takes is just for him to get the ball in his hands. And that's where he makes his magic happen, yards after the catch. And so Sherman who hasn't been touted as the fastest corner or the quickest corner, he's going to have his hands full trying to contain Odell Beckham Jr. So this is a matchup that we can all look forward to seeing good on good. Two players that are atop their respective position in the NFL. Now, matchup number two. How about the Giants? struggling offensive line against the 49ers versatile defensive line now this Giants offensive line they have struggled immensely they went out and made Nate Solder the highest paid offensive tackle because they knew the Texans were another team that was in the running form they wanted to ensure that he was going to be a Giant so they forked up a heavy load of money And he has been very disappointing up to this point. He struggled in pass protection. And a lot of the pressure comes from his side of the field. And then Will Hernandez, they spent a second round pick on the guard out of UTEP. He's a developing player. And I think that guy has a bright future. Spencer Pooley now at center. And then their big acquisition over their bye week was claiming Jamon Brown off waivers from the Los Angeles Rams who started for the Rams and. He was suspended for the first couple games of the 2018 season, so he lost his spot because of that. The Rams went ahead and waived him after they acquired Dante Fowler at the trade deadline. And so the Giants, since they have such a high waiver priority with their record, they were able to get him on their team. And so a lot of people were excited about the addition of Jermon Brown. And so now he should be plugged in there at right guard, playing alongside right tackle Chad Wheeler. 
and he replaced Eric Flowers, the former first-round pick that the Giants ultimately released last month, and he's now in Jacksonville. But this 49ers defensive line, they're coming on strong, and they're a very talented unit. Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, who has three sacks this season, DeForest Buckner with five and a half, Earl Mitchell, Ronald Blair, who I just had on the Chase podcast for an interview, and he has three and a half sacks in a reserve role. Cassius Marsh, Dakota Watson, who they just got back from IR a couple of weeks ago. This is a deep defensive line, and not only are they deep, but they are versatile. Robert Sala, he prides himself in mixing up different formations and packages, and you're seeing Solomon Thomas, who is at defensive end, he'll be kicked inside in some plays. Eric Armstead, the same. Buckner, you know, experimenting him out at defensive end and pass rushing situations. And so this is a unit that has really given opposing offensive lines all they can handle despite them winning just two games, but that was on full display. I mean, you saw what they did to the Oakland Raiders last Thursday night. Now, I get it. They were dealing with injuries. Colton Miller exited the game with a knee injury and came back, but eventually was ruled out. Then Kalichi Osmaili was dealing with another ailment of his own. So I understand that part, but the 49ers were still dominating the line of scrimmage, and they were in the backfield almost every pass play. And with the matchup that they have against the Giants, I mean, there's no reason to doubt their capability of getting to Eli Manning frequently on Monday night. And I like their chances to do so. This is a unit that can come at you in many different ways and angles. So keep your eye on this defensive line because I think they're going to have a very active evening and yes, the Giants, you can expect maybe a little bit better of an outing with Jamon Brown plugged in. Maybe it helps that run game going with Saquon Barkley, who's had a stellar rookie season. For that matter, he's had 100-plus yards from scrimmage in seven of his eight career games. And he also leads NFL rookies and ranks third in the NFL with 1,016 yards from scrimmage. So you know he's having himself a nice start to his promising career but again let's keep in mind that this is the Giants offensive line that has really been detrimental to the Giants offensive slump and the final matchup here that I want to take a look at is George Kittle and Landon Collins George Kittle I mean this guy he's the real deal and I want to run this by you but he had 43 receptions for 515 yards and two touchdowns in 15 games last season, which was his rookie season. And here at the midway point in his sophomore season, he has 41 receptions for 692 yards and three touchdowns through nine games. So he's already eclipsed every category for the exception of his receptions, right? Just two under. But that just speaks volumes to the progression he's making as an NFL tight end And also, for him to still be able to produce despite having three different quarterbacks throwing him the ball this season. Of course, Garoppolo and then C.J. Beathard. And heck, even had 80 yards and a touchdown with Mullins in his NFL debut last Thursday night. And so I think anytime you have a target, whether it be a tight end or receiver, that can consistently produce with yards after the catch, with making catches in 50-50 situations, making tough snags over the middle with linebackers bearing down on you. He's shown all of that. 
and I think he's going to be in line for another heavy workload against the Giants. Now, Landon Collins, he's quietly put together a good season. He's in a contract year, 62 tackles, four pass defenses, one forced fumble. He doesn't have an interception yet. He's been a part of the Giants' 16th ranked pass defense, of course, that traded Eli Apple and we're reportedly close to trading Janoris Jenkins ahead of the trade deadline, but they decided to hang on to him. But one thing about Landon Collins is he hasn't always been reliable in pass coverage because he's more of a box safety that he's going to come in and lay the boom. He's going to be good in run support. But I'm sure there's going to be several plays where he's going to have to account for Kittle when he's running routes over the middle or the general vicinity of where Collins is playing in their defensive alignment. And so when I look at these two players who are impact players for their respective teams, seeing these two out in space, I think Kittle should have plenty of chances to run up the seam on landing Collins. And it's going to be up to the former Alabama safety to show up in pass defense because Nick Mullins is not gun shy. This guy's a gunslinger. You saw him make some tight throws. He's gutsy. This guy is not scared to throw a pass in between three or four defenders. And so George Kittle, I'm sure, will be out there, will be a heavy target of his, and a security blanket, of course, on third downs. If he has nobody else open, look for Kittle to be the man. Now, with all that being said, and now it's time for my game prediction, I think Mullins, he continues his hot streak. He goes for 300 yards through the air. How about that? He got 262 last week. I'm calling for a 300-yard performance and a San Francisco victory 26-21 over the New York Giants. Now, I know the Giants, they do have a more talented roster all around, right? But San Francisco, I really do think they're going to be able to get after Eli Manning with the defensive line. Ruben Foster, Richard Sherman. This is a defense that I think starting to turn the corner a little bit. They're going to be down a couple of defenders. But going up against such a stagnant Giants passing game, I don't think that's really going to hinder their effectiveness. And then as for their offense, I've talked a lot about Mullins, but I also think Breida and Alfred Morris will be able to get in productive outings on the ground against the Giants front seven. That, of course, traded Damon Snacks Harrison, and they actually activated their rookie, R.J. McIntosh, and so he may see some playing time. But the Niners' offensive line has been pretty stout as well, so I, that's why I think they'll be able to push the line of scrimmage. I think Brita's in for a big day in both the run and the pass game. Look for Pierre Garçon, who had a couple of touchdowns after being silenced for much of the season. He may too have some success against a giant secondary that's still trying to put things together with new players in their lineup. So give me the Niners to win this one. I'm hoping it should be at least an entertaining game to watch to close out week number 10 of the NFL season. Well, there you have it. My Monday night preview as well as my high flyer, top denier, and under fire. I will be back here on Wednesday for my midweek episode to break down all the latest trending topics going around the NFL as well as a Thursday night preview. Until then, take care and God bless. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.